Who comes to mind when you think of resilience? Well, oftentimes we think of sports athletes, people like Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Wayne Gretzky. But when it comes to the Christian faith, who are people you look up to? And how are you being resilient in your faith? That's exactly what we're going to talk about in today's podcast. So turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and let's get into it. Well, hey there, my friends. Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Jimenez with you, as always. Blessed to be with you guys as we start podcast 205. And we just wrapped up in our last previous podcast first Thessalonians. So if you have missed any of those, or this is your first time listening, we have the book of Acts for you. Matter of fact, before we did the book of Acts, we did the gospels in chronological order. And then we did the book of Acts. And now we're highlighting all of the first letters in their proper order, historically, in the dates in which Paul wrote them. And so we have Galatians up on our uh, website, standstrongministries.org. You can check those things out with my notes. And we finished First Thessalonians, and now we're getting into Second Thessalonians. We'll begin chapter one today. In the, in the series, really, in this book, is Standing Strong in Your Faith. Now, as you know, with the podcast, Stand Strong in the Word, and then having a theme or a series for the whole book of Second Thessalonians, Stand Strong in Your Faith, you say, Jay, what's up with the Stand Strong? Well, the ministry is called Stand Strong Ministries, and it comes from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Of course, there's other passages about standing strong in your faith, but that is my theme. That is what I hope to, to bring into your life through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of his word, is that you will stand strong in the word, that you will stand strong in your faith until Christ returns. And that's pretty much what the message of 2 Thessalonians is all about. So I can't wait to dive in to get into this book with you guys. There's a lot of... I would say controversial subjects per se uh, in Second Thessalonians. Of course, depending on the denomination or interpretation or hermeneutic that people have, people will say there's controversy. But there's just a lot of, I would say, complicated passages. And we'll get into that. You know, one in particular that comes to mind that you're probably thinking of is the son of perdition or what we'll see in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 about what this restrainer is uh, regarding the the Antichrist, and if it and if in fact Paul is referring to the Antichrist, and then again, as we did cover in First Thessalonians chapter five, we see again Paul in his second letter refers to the day of the Lord several times, and that's important for us to understand in context, and we'll be touching on that. So I'm glad you guys are joining me as we enter into a new book. Um, that's my heart's desire is that, again, as we go through the, the Bible chronologically, we start with the New Testament, that it will give you proper context. I mean, that that's what I hope and pray. One thing that I found in the years of ministry, pastoring and teaching uh, the Word of God is how very little, okay, the average Christian has in the Bible's proper context, not just its literary style, but the structure of it. And so what I've always wanted to do, and again, I think we're in our sixth year, possibly. I could be wrong. Maybe longer. It's hard to believe. I got to go back and check the archives. But I've always just wanted to just sit in front of a mic in a studio and teach people the Bible. Not preaching at you guys, but let's just cover 
the Bible in its proper context to show honor and respect of it and and, I, and in removing personality. This isn't about uh, you know certain podcast series or sermon series, if you will. This is just having Bible studies with you, my my friends around the world, my brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. And I get to do this because of support, prayers, and the financial giving of many of you guys who have given to the ministry. We're a tax-deductible ministry, a nonprofit, whose sole aim is to embolden people in their faith, to and you know, and equip you guys with a biblical worldview, and teach you how to engage the culture for Christ. So we do that by reinforcing biblical truth. And of course, we can't do that without the Word of God. And so it really starts here with this podcast. And so I'm thankful that just to, right now, as we're getting getting into a uh, a new book. It's exciting to see what we've covered in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts, Galatians, 1 Thessalonians, and now 2 Thessalonians. So let me dive right in, and I'm going to read you guys this particular portion of Scripture, and we're going to be covering essentially verses 1 through 4. And what we're going to be looking at today is resilient faith. And, and as we dive in, I want you to stop and to consider yourself. Okay, your faith in the Lord. Would you say that you have a resilient faith? You know, and I have to pause and say this from my heart. What has saddened me through the years is when I ask a simple question to an audience of people, particularly if it's a smaller, more intimate audience. And it, and it has to probably really gear towards pastors, you know, church leaders or parents. And of course, yes, even young people. But I ask the question, describe your faith, right? And, and, and it's not really a question. It's just, just tell me about your faith. How would you put it into words? What would you say? Not just that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but what does that actually look like? And even as we're, about, we're about to dive into this passage, I cannot recall a time when someone said, I have a resilient faith. And so hopefully my prayer, my friend, is... That at the end of this podcast, as we start into Second Thessalonians, and we read these first four verses, that after this podcast, by the time we get to the end, that you would believe in the Lord, as you look at the scriptures, that you need to have a resilient faith. And if you do, that it would just be, that you just grow stronger, that you become more resilient. If, if, if there's one thing that we can grow in, it's in the faith and our faith never comes to a point here on earth where we've arrived, okay? That we've hit 100%. We're always growing and that's resilience. Through trials, tribulations, doubts, issues, anxiety, you name it. Our faith is constantly being tested, not just when it comes to theological issues, but just in life itself. So, I say that because as we dive in, I just really hope and pray as I was coming to the studio here to, to record that you would understand the resilience of your faith and that you take better care of it, right? So with that said, notice here again in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning verse 1, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God 
for your steadfastness in faith and all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Wow. That verse, by the way, in verse four, let me read it again. I always am drawn to it when I'm going through a tough time. Notice he says, therefore, we are, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness in faith in all your persecution and in the afflictions that you are enduring. No doubt, especially in the West, we don't want hard times. We avoid them. We want things to be fixed immediately. We don't want to have problems, whether it's with people or with a certain product. When we order something, we want it tonight. And if we don't get it or we get that little ding thing and you go into the Amazon app or whatever and it says delayed, sorry for the delay, we, we get upset. Those are not trials. Okay, now we, our faith may be tested. Our patience may be tested. If there's any left in the tank, so to speak. But notice here, one of the things that Paul loved about the Thessalonians is that in the midst of their persecution, in the midst of their affliction, they're being steadfast. That's a testimony. We'll talk about that in a minute. So let's jump back in the beginning Okay, let's just understand why, why Paul wrote this letter. Okay, because not that he, we have a lot other than, you know, First and Second Thessalonians and First and Second Timothy. But here in Second Thessalonians, shortly after Paul wrote the first letter, he responds with a second one because he was hearing about the churches in Thessalonica in the Macedonian area that were actually dealing with an intense persecution. Okay, we saw that in verse four and we'll cover it in more detail in a minute. But he's also doing something. He was answering the Thessalonians concerns about the return of Jesus and about coming a judgment. We tackled that in chapter five of first Thessalonians verses one through 11. And we're going to see that in our next ep- episode here on the podcast in verses seven through 12 in second Thessalonians chapter one. We'll also see that in chapter two. So Paul's immediacy in writing the second letter is to clear up the confusion that is permeating the Thessalonians over the day of the Lord. So here's what's going down. They are receiving intense persecution. And so to them, that is signs that Christ is about to return. And so a lot of them were were enduring to the end because again, at any given time, Christ is going to return and take us out of this, this, uh, this pit that we find ourselves in. Now, obviously, that's not the case. That wasn't, I should say, the case with the Thessalonians, but the manner in which they were expectantly, right, with great expectation, waiting for the return of Jesus is something that we saw in the first letter that we need to have today. And we can't say that Jesus is playing games with us or his delay in return is a mistake or we should just give up and give into the pressure, pressures of the world. No, okay? The Christ tearing right now is not a delay. He knows what he's doing. He's perfect. He's faithful. So here, when Paul's writing the second letter, immediately following his first, he's wanting to resolve some of these concerns. Remember, he wrote the first letter because he's answering many major questions they had about what happened to those who died before Christ returned. And what happens to us is we have the same faith in Jesus Christ and yet our loved ones died. Where do they go? 
And that's one thing that's so amazing about Paul and that I, I commend pastors. And if you are a pastor, if you are a Bible teacher in some capacity and you take the time to diligently, my friends, with great fervor and anticipation to answer people's questions that you don't shy away from them. Not that you're going around thinking that you're the Bible answer man or something like that, but that you love answering people's questions, which I truly do. And I found that there's a ministry within the ministry of answering people's questions. I don't have all the answers all the time. There's times where I gave an answer um, and it was partially not, you know, it's partially correct or partially true. And there's times I've gone back, you know, maybe dropped an email or text somebody or call them or even done a series of videos or whatever the case, or write a book, you know, that, that even because somebody triggered something in me by asking a question or when I went back and said, you know, let me give it some more thought. And then just this wealth of knowledge just exploded. And again, the resilience in that and how it's grown my faith. So I love looking at questions because a lot of times I'm like, that's a great question. How would I answer that? And then out of that, again, can come a book all because of a simple question. So I love questions and I love giving answers according to God's word and not compromising in it. And like I said earlier, a resilient faith, you know, we're always growing and there needs to be resilience in that. And so Paul, one thing that's so amazing about Paul, why we have first and second Thessalonians is because he takes the time to answer people's questions. So a lot of his material comes from the questions that the people themselves are asking. Isn't that amazing? Do you think about it? See, a lot of times in ministry, people just put out a series because they think it's cool or yeah, it's relevant in the culture. So let's talk about it. And I'm not saying it's all wrong, but isn't it amazing that he's responding directly to the actual needs, questions, and concerns that people have? So that's what's dictating through the power of the Spirit for Paul to be moved to immediately turn around and say, okay, we need to clear up some more confusion as my brothers and sisters are being persecuted and they still have questions. And if as long as I'm here, I'm going to do my best to give them answers. Isn't that awesome? So here in the opening now, when Paul's introducing, he's greeting you know, like he typically does. He mentions two companions. So he's joined with Silas or Silvanus. We see this in, again, the first letter, as well as we'll see in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I actually began my study a few weeks ago in 1 Corinthians, so I'm excited when that time comes, we'll dive into that. We'll probably spend a good year probably in 1 Corinthians alone. There's a lot there, as you know. But he also mentions Timothy, who's also a companion with him. Remember that he sent Timothy. So Timothy was very involved and invested personally with the, the churches in Thessalonica. You see that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 and 8. So Timothy was giving reports to Paul. When Paul couldn't be there, Timothy was there in his absence. And again, that shows the level of trust that Paul had in Timothy. And as you and I know, again, in chronological order, the last two letters that Paul wrote were, were to Timothy in First and Second Timothy. So I can't wait to get into those, right? And of course, those are they're known more as the pastoral epistles. So one of the things we'll be doing on the podcast is we'll really be putting together a series uh, to help church leaders. What does it mean to be a minister of the gospel, a pastor, an elder, a leader in the church? Because that's what Paul talks about, obviously, right? So there's no other time that Paul actually links the three of these people together than right here. So that's a great insight to know that what we see here in verse one is the only time these trios are mentioned together. 
Now, Timothy and Silas, remember, they were faithful associates of Paul during his ministry in Thessalonica. You can see that in, the, in Acts chapter 17. And what's amazing is when he mentions Silas and Timothy, he says to the church. Now, again, as we've seen, the Greek word is ekklesia, just means assembly or the gathering of believers. So this was a new way of taking the concept away from just focusing in on a congregation of 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 Jews or in a, in a format of the synagogue. And you start classifying from the Old Testament fulfilled now in Christ, the, the church of God, right? But notice the church, he says, of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is so significant. I mean, we can literally spend the rest of this podcast just unpacking that phrase, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a level of discussion, if I may, that I want to have with you guys. But let me first just say this. God, our Father, okay? This is a phrase that captures the beauty of the triune relationship. This is something that Paul elaborates in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. And even Peter himself mentions in 1 Peter 1, verse 3. So let me say this, what I want to kind of bring some discussion from this phrase is when you look at churches today, and there's one, there's one particular person that I'm looking into again because of him compromising in scripture for LGBT. His name is Andy Stanley. And not that I've ever shied away from mentioning him by name, but it's unfortunate that when you look at someone who at one point of time, say what you will, you know, him taking on that challenge of the first Baptist church when they were going through construction and, and it was more uh, downtown and his dad, Charles appointed Andy to kind of do the second campus, which was not something that was very common with churches during that time. And, and, and it clearly, became a success over time and many people wanted Andy, Andy to be independent from his father and take on uh, his church himself, like to have their own autonomy, which eventually they did and it became North Point. And I bring this up because when Paul says to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father, here's what happens. It becomes about that celebrity person or that founding pastor. That's one reason why it stands strong ministries for our nonprofit and it's not Jason Jimenez ministries. I'm not bad mouthing, you know, names of people who have a ministry with their name on it. I mean, but really Lewis Palau and Billy Graham are probably the two biggest ones. And when I say successful, meaning that there was not any type of corruption from those individuals. Okay. And it was clearly a movement of the Lord in a major evangelistic way in their partnership was with the church and proclaiming the gospel. And we see the life-changing power that came through those anointed men. But there's a danger when we have our name on things. There's a danger when, if you're a founding pastor of something and you know that after Mark Driscoll left, Mars Hill fell apart. And you wonder, even this simple phrase to the church of the Thessalonians, we say when to the church, in Seattle, but there's so many different denominations. There's so many different personalities. There's so many different lead pastors that we're just all divided. 
But the church, whether it be here to the Thessalonians, when Paul's writing this roughly in about 8050 or 8051, it's the same today. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. So you imagine to the church of the Charlatans, right? In God, our father. I mean, I think of countless churches just in my city alone. We have like 1,600. And how many of them can you say that? They're, that are in God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. And so often we talk about the Andy Stanley's leading this church and it's all about them. And if, if Andy Stanley were to lead North Point, would it still, would it survive? He would say it would. But so often it becomes about that person. And over time, they compromise. Paul doesn't say, hey, these are the churches I started in the name of Paul. Matter of fact, when we get into 1 Corinthians, he deals with a lot of division. It's not about Paul. It's not about Apollos. It's not about Cephas, Peter, that is. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, that could be so simple. But you think about how far gone or how lost or off the, the, the trail of the gospel that we have become in our church. So this phrase, these, this is God's house, this is God's church in Christ Jesus. He gave his life, not just to save us, not just to declare us righteous in him and to restore what was lost because of sin. But Jesus also came, my friends, to give us the word, the Holy Spirit, to give us the church that he's the head of. Now, I, I get it. There are people who are in obedience. They went out in faith and they began a church that they felt the Holy Spirit was calling them to do. And they're proclaiming it in the name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and presenting the gospel in their community and beyond. Praise God. It should never be about the man and his vision. It's about God, our Father. So let's keep that in mind as, as, as we look at this, but also in our own lives. Right, Because I think a lot of us, and I talk to many of you guys who are listeners and many of you guys drop email, you know, an email and, and, and ask questions or, hey, I got this situation going on in my church. Is this good? Is this bad kind of thing? And let's look at it in scripture. So we need to make sure that we're not involved in a church. We're not a member of a church that is about the person on stage. It's about the performance. But realizing that when we go to church, we're part of a a movement of the Holy Spirit that is submissive to the work of God, to his teaching of his word, that you have faithful, devoted, holy, set apart men who lead the church in men who lead their homes and women who are serving in the church and using their spiritual gifts to invest and raise up the next generation. That's in God, our Father and, Lord, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, not built off the vision of whatever pastor fill in the blank. So in verse two, when he says grace to you and peace from God, our father, Lord Jesus Christ, notice he says it again. So these churches are in God, our father, because we know that salvation is a gift from God. He's the originator of it. He's the initiator of it. And the church is not our concept. So think about that. That is very, very humbling. We don't negotiate with God when it comes to salvation. He offers it as a free gift. We either freely receive it or we freely reject it. Those who freely receive it, who are dwelt by the power of the Holy Spirit and have been declared righteous because we've been justified by faith. When we attend a church 
It's not our church. Church is not built around our likes and dislikes. So grace and peace is not something that we give as though it's a, it's a product of our ministry. It isn't something we manufacture. Grace and peace, just like salvation and just like the church, comes from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So again, notice the unity between the Father and Son. So Paul's typical opening of extending a blessing of God's grace and peace over the church, we see this in Romans 1.7, is very common. He extends, and that says a lot. Are we the kind of Christian in the resilience of our faith that even when we are having a hard time, even when we are being tried and we are finding it difficult to function in the day and to get you know the bills paid or to get our kids off to school and everything else in between, do we extend grace and peace because of what we've received in Christ? See, Paul's blessing the Thessalonians. He's blessing them, catch this, that they live in the wholeness with God. Are you living in the wholeness of God? Do you extend the wholeness of God to other people around you? You see, we as Christians, just like the Thessalonians here that were receiving this letter in faith because of their trust in Christ as Savior and believing Paul was called by God as an apostle sent to deliver a message that's divinely inspired. These Thessalonians, they were living in the wholeness with God. They were free from the enmity with him. Isn't that what Romans 5 says? We have now peace with God and we've been saved through in Christ Jesus through from, from sin. So they knew God's peace. And in order to know God's peace, we have to first receive his grace. You can't have peace without grace. And if you have grace, peace will follow. And this phrase, God, our Father, and Lord Jesus Christ, see, both the Father and the Son, they function as the double, catch this, this is important. The Father and the Son function as the double object of from avowing that grace and peace comes from the person of Christ. So this opening statement is a direct inference of the divinity of Jesus. Furthermore, by identifying God as our Father, Paul continues to highlight the doctrine of adoption. You see, in his first letter, what did Paul do in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, and chapter 4, verses 4 through 7? Paul expounded on the doctrine of adoption. And he will not only present it there, but also highlight it here in verses 1 and 2, but he mentions it again in Romans 8, 14 through 17. So if you've never studied the doctrine of adoption, I encourage that you do that. So you say, Jay, what does this have to do with my, my resilience and my faith, like you were saying earlier? A lot. Because that's where we now see in verses 3 through 4, how we could become more resilient in our faith. Notice what Paul says, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers. See, what's so amazing is that in verses 3 through 12, it's one long sentence in Greek. Do you know that? So actually, the longest Greek sentence is in Ephesians chapter 1. This is the second. So from, from verses 3 here all the way to verse 12 is one long sentence in Greek. And this is amazing because what it conveys and what it actually shows us is that Paul was so compelled to give thanks. He was so moved to show gratitude to the Lord for the Thessalonians that he remained very strong and devoted in writing out his love for them and God's love for them, especially, more importantly, even amid persecution. And he does this by using the combination of faith and love to highlight the Christian walk. And this is something that Paul 
does throughout his letters. You can go to stanstrawministries.org and you can click on uh, this podcast um, and you can see the notes there. You can see it from 1 Corinthians 16, 2 Corinthians 8, Galatians 5, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, Ephesians 6, 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 6. So the combination of faith and love is a huge thing that Paul talks about. And so when he uses this phrase that faith is growing abundantly, this is the resilience, just like a plant survives through the year with all the elements and the different conditions and is resilient and grows. See, that's what Paul does in 1 Thessalonians 3, if you remember. Paul was so worried, remember, with the Thessalonians. He, he was thinking at that time that, that Satan had knocked them out, that Satan had caused them to fall away. And that's why Timothy, remember, went, and upon his return, Timothy comes and reports to, to Paul. Think about how the, the many months that Paul worried about the Thessalonians because they didn't have Snapchat. They didn't have texting. So he had to wait for months to hear upon Timothy and his journey, his travels. That in actual fact, the Thessalonians were growing in their faith. And they were also very eager to be with Paul again. You ever gotten that feeling when you don't think so-and-so, right, cares much about you and then you realize that they're longing to be reunited with you this whole time? amazing sometimes when we have doubt and it can start playing some tricks on us and it can really alter reality right and we start believing that which is not true and so timothy gives paul a great report and so paul continues to boast about the increase of their faith matter of fact in the bible knowledge commentary they write the faith that had continued to grow the greek word is to grow exceedingly and is also a word that is used in the Gospels of the growth of plants and also babies. And is also used in the Pauline epistles to refer to spiritual growth. You can see this in Ephesians 4, verse 15, Colossians 1, 6, and 10. And the New Testament, it's only used here. And I'm, I'm going to try to pronounce this in Greek, but I'll butcher it. But it's hyperozani, if I'm saying that right. That's the Greek term, to grow exceedingly. Again, so in the Gospels, it refers to plants growing, babies growing. And so when he says faith is growing abundantly, you're seeing this resilience among the Thessalonians amid persecution. And one of the things that he shows their resilience is that you're loving everyone. You know, Paul mentions, uh, you know, love. This is a Christian quality that was given to the Thessalonians by God. Again, when you extend grace, when you extend peace in the lives of other peoples, because you received it from God first. And then he uses this word increasing. So he, he talked about faith is growing abundantly. And then your love is, is ever more increasing. And this is interesting because Paul uses the same Greek word, this, this verb, it's actually in the verb uh, uh, from his prayers. I mean, you see this in chapter three, verse 12 of, of first Thessalonians, where it says, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another, for all as we do for you. Now the new King James version study Bible says, quote, in referring to this word increasing, it abounds pictures in expansive growth, similar to the sudden surge of floodwaters. The Thessalonians steadfast faith not only strengthened them to withstand difficult circumstances, it also motivated them to express genuine love for others. 
A Christian's faith in Christ should always culminate in true love for others. And this is obviously based on John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, that if you're my disciples, you would have love for one another. And people know that you're my disciples because you're love for one another. So growing exceedingly, right? Faith like uh, a baby or a plant, but also this word increasing, it's a verb that we are to increase and abound in our love. So faith that has resilience in it will, will have love that expounds. So love doesn't decrease when your faith is resilient. Love increases. And one way for our faith to increase and to abound is that our love does as well. So if you have more faith in God, it's because you have more love in and for him. So then he says in verse four, therefore we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfast and faith in all your persecution and in the afflictions that you are enduring. So the Thessalonians, they bravely resisted against the opposition. They were being steadfast amid this enduring persecution. Again, it wasn't just a one and done type thing. They went out one night and it, it was controversial and a lot of them were able to get out of there and, um, you know, evaluate the night and say, man, that was a close call. No, this is an enduring constant thing that they're dealing with in their workspace, with their families, with their children, with with the society at that time. They were the, the, the people that were not serving the wishes of the Roman people. And they were not paganistic. They remember they had turned from that and their faith had been spreading in their region. So people are knowing of these Thessalonians that were claiming Jesus Christ as God. Now remember Paul, a man who was all, all too familiar with persecution. What's so amazing about this is he's amazed by their endurance. He's blown away by their steadfastness. He can't wait to share with other people the, the mighty testimony of his fellow brothers who were being steadfast in their faith. And, and what's so cool about this is that, remember, Paul, he's linking perseverance to the faith of the Thessalonians. So they not only endure through various trials and persecution, but the Thessalonians also remain faithful to their holy calling in Christ. And they were blessing Paul. And if there's one person who can write a, a book and do a whole series, not just based off the, 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 the Bible, you know, he could be somebody talking about how, how do you deal with it? How do you go through abuse physically, spiritually, socially? I mean, there's one person, Paul. And yet Paul is absolutely amazed. That's why he uses the word boast. We boast about you, not again, not in a cocky way, but we can't help but tell people in other churches. So remember, Paul wasn't just linked to Thessalonica. He was linked all over the Roman Empire. And so that's how amazed he was of the Thessalonians' endurance and being steadfast in this persecution, this word persecution. I got to elaborate on this so we can understand the context here. The, the Greek word is diagnosios, and it, it means to be attacked by the enemies of the gospel. So this is what's so interesting because Luke records, and it, it, this is, we got to go back to the book of Acts. Remember, I told you this was Paul's interaction with the people of Thessalonica back in Acts chapter 17. So I got to read you a portion there from Luke himself. And this is what goes down when, you know, he, the, the, the crowd of people in Thessalonica turn on Paul and his companions. This is what happened in verses five through nine of Acts 17. But the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the, of the uh, rubble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. 
And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received him and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people of the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. So that's what started this uproar. The mob of people in this region were against Paul and his companions. So if you had any association with them, I mean, all the way up to the top, they look to sue you, they look to beat you, taunt you, make fun of you, threaten you, tax you. So this word afflictions that Paul actually uses here, so they weren't just being persecuted, they were actually going through various trials. Matter of fact, this, this word affliction carries the idea of facing hardships to feel pressure. Think about the pressure maybe, you maybe and more than likely, and if you're listening to this podcast in, in North America, in the United States of America, you haven't really been persecuted. Probably made fun of it a little bit, but that's what we can, can you know, compare to what persecution may look like. But then you grab a magazine from the Voice of the Martyrs or you just see this passage here in Acts 17 and you're saying this is more than just feeling pressure to give in to the LGBT or whatever type of agenda, CRT, BLM, you name it, or renounce your faith or, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, you know, my parents are Christian. I just kind of go to church because they tell me to. And you kind of like think that that's going to be enough to keep you safe from a society that's atheistic or anti-God anti-Jesus, anti-gospel. It's more pressure than that that the Thessalonians were facing. They were facing major hardship. Their livelihoods were online. What would you do if your livelihood was online? You know, J. Vernon McGee, one of the great Bible teachers, passed away, sheesh, long time ago, 20 plus years ago, almost 30 years ago, says patience isn't an interesting word the Greek word translated by the English word patience has a literal meaning of standing under. It means to be placed under. A great many people try to get out from under the problems and difficulties. The person who is patient is able to stay under and he keeps on carrying the load. He doesn't throw it off. He doesn't try to get rid of his responsibility. That's a Thessalonians. You see, resilient faith, my friends, is patience steadfastness, endurance, grit, without quitting, looking to Jesus, never looking into the world, not compromising, not giving in, not complaining, not quitting, but constantly striving to do the things that God has called you to do, even in the midst of persecution and afflictions. You know, Romans 5, 3 through 5, Paul describes how suffering can build character and build us a stronger faith. And I'll end with this. Verses 3 through 5 of Romans 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, end quote. So my friends, as we close out, and looking at the opening of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, do you have a resilient faith? Do you have a faith that someone in your life says, wow, 
Look at Tom. Look at John. Look at Terry. Look at Elizabeth. Look at Sarah. Look at how resilient they are. Not because of how amazing you are and you went to an Ivy League school. No. But because you put your faith and trust in Jesus. May that be true of you and may you look to the scriptures and rejoice in knowing that sufferings will produce endurance. And when you have endurance in your life, you'll be building character through the Holy Spirit. And when you have character, there's going to be hope. And notice the Bible says hope does not put us to shame. And that's why the Thessalonians in the end, they had hope. They had hope in Jesus Christ that he was the way, the truth, and the life. So no matter what persecutions they came across, no matter what tauntings or afflictions they faced, they had their hope and faith in Jesus Christ who gives them what? Grace and gives them peace. And I pray that is for you as well, my friends. Thank you guys for checking out this podcast. If you have any questions or you'd like to get more information about our ministry, Stand Strong Ministries, you can go to standstrongministries.org. And if you want to continue to support a podcast that teaches through God's word chronologically, and it's been a blessing to you. Can you do me a favor? Two things I ask. Number one, will you leave us a review? Wherever you listen to this podcast, leave us a review. The more reviews, the more this type of podcast can get up there in the algorithm and it be exposed to even more people to learn God's word just like you're learning right now. And number two, to help us continue to keep this thing out there and to promote this podcast in a world that needs Jesus Will you faithfully become a Stand Strong supporter? You can do so by going to standstrongministries.org. Click the button there, donate, and you become a monthly supporter. It's tax deductible. We have online security and people's giving. We would greatly appreciate that because I'm able to do this because of men and women just like you guys who faithfully listen and support the ministry. So I give you guys a big thanks and want to say I love you guys. Until next time. Keep standing strong, my friends, in your faith. Oh, 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 oh,